0: Good evening. It's good to be here. Uh, So, the tale of two souls. One of the things that I want you to know is that the decisions that you make will change the course of history. And there's a verse in the message that will bear that out. But back to the devotional there in particular verse 29 of Deuteronomy 5 oh that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever do you feel the heart of God in that he wants things to go well with us and so, as we look at this subject, the tale of two saws, there's a, <clears throat> there's a, well, I guess the well, kind of the way I did the study is to look at the, how they compare and, and the, this, the contrasting Decisions they made and uh, and how the outcomes were and and it makes a makes a huge difference. God chooses who His people are, but think about one time who He chooses. John three sixteen says, "But God so loved the world." that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So the choice then, really, as to who God's people are, falls on us. Falls on me. Am I going to be one of God's people, or am I not? And and that's one of the, contrasting choices here you know uh recently i was talking to somebody and we were uh talking a little about the the things that happen in people's lives and and we get the idea that you know if i had a if i had an experience like Saul did in the new testament And a light shone from heaven and knocked me flat out. And Jesus said, I want you to quit going the wrong way and rebelling. I want you to serve me. We'd like to think, there's no doubt we'd serve the Lord, right? But the fact of the matter is, God has, there's no one that He wants to lose. And so He's not, He didn't pick out Saul number two in the New Testament and say you're better than everybody else and I want you to serve me. That choice comes to all of us. And God comes to us. He comes to you. He comes to me in His all-knowing way and the best way to get me to choose to serve Him. God is good. Well, so I already went to the Saul in the New Testament, I guess, I'll back up to Saul number one in the Old Testament. We have the story in First Samuel, uh, I guess I'll begin in First Samuel 8, and to be honest with you, I knew enough ahead of time that... I had to give this message that I was studying earlier and, and I had an assignment to preach at Bethesda, my home congregation. And so I used it. And I ran out of time on soul number one and didn't get very much on Psalm number two. So I'm going to go pretty rapidly through Saul number one and I'm not going to read quite as much as I did there. So it starts here in First Samuel chapter eight with... The children of Israel asking for a king. And Samuel didn't like it. it he took it personal. But God said, don't, don't take it personal. It's They're rebelling against me, the reason they want a king. They think I'm not leading them right. And uh, so go ahead and give them a king. And so we come to chapter 9, and we're introduced to Saul number 1 or Old Testament Saul, we might say. There was a man, verse 1 of chapter 9 of 1 Samuel, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, son of Zeor, son of Bechorath, the son of Ephiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul a choice young man and goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. So here we have an introduction to the Old Testament Saul. He was a, he was a good man. And as you read down through there, he was a, he was a godly man he he uh was a hard working man and so he went out hunting for his father's donkeys and they that were lost and they couldn't find him and so they were about ready to give up and they decided, well, we'll go to the prophet's house and ask him. And so they went to the prophet's house. Well, we know, because we know the story, that Samuel was expecting Saul to show up. And the Lord had appointed Samuel to anoint Saul king, which he did. And, and we see Saul as being a humble man. When Samuel told him what was happening, he said, well, you surely don't want me. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, that's the smallest tribe. And our family's just one of the, not a very, not a very proper family. And no, you don't, you don't want me for this job. But Samuel told him, the Lord wants you and anointed him and that was that was a private anointing then and he told him that you're going to go and there's 10 things going to happen 10 specific things that are going to happen when you leave here and the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you and then he gives him instructions that when the Spirit of the Lord comes on you, you do what the Lord tells you to do, and and then you'll there will be a time you're to go to Gilgal, and I'm going to come and do sacrifice, but you wait there for me at Gilgal seven days until I come and tell you what to do. Well, it happened just like he said it would and the uh, time came then well the 10 things they all were specific there's no doubt that it was god at work in his life and, and i had I tried to think about things you know there's has there been times in my life that that god has worked specifically so that i know for sure that it's God working and there are there's there's times that that happens I don't know that that was 10 times all in one day but it could happen that way as well God wants us to know who he is and he can bring things about to happen and we can say oh it's coincidence or we can praise God for his working in our hearts and and have faith, and let him build our faith. So now, things happen. Then for uh, Saul, uh, he gathered people together, made an army, and and he was he was mighty in defeating the enemy. But then. It was about two years, near as I could tell, about two years later that this assignment to meet at Gilgal happens. And so maybe somebody that studied it more will find that a little different, but that's the way uh, I found it. And he met there. And what was happening, the Philistines didn't like this Saul rising to power and and defeating some of the enemies in battle, some of them in battle, and so they came with thirty thousand chariots. Go to this. Is moving on over to chapter thirteen, and uh, they had thirty thousand chariots, six thousand horsemen and lots of people, and they were coming against Saul and his son Jonathan, and their combined forces of the children of Israel were 4,000 men. 4,000 against 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and lots of others. Uh, Pretty unbalanced, isn't it? Saul was in straight. What are we going to do? He was trembling. Uh, pick it up here in chapter 13, verse 7. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And as for Saul, he was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. And he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. I've waited the seven days, he says, but it's just not happening. Do we ever, do we ever do we ever get the idea that we know what's right, but because of the circumstances? I'm just going to have to do something that's wrong. Something's not right. Satan brings that temptation. And he brought it pretty forcefully to Saul. And so in verse 9, Saul said, Bring the burnt offering to me. And he offered the burnt offering. And he was not supposed to do that. It was supposed to be Samuel. And what happens... We go ahead. We know we're supposed to be waiting and we go ahead. And as soon as it's done, what happens? Somebody shows up that we were waiting on. And it came to pass, verse 10, that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? And Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore, said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore and offered a burnt offering. It was hard, but I just had to do what I wasn't supposed to do. Maybe the next time you get a temptation to do something you're not supposed to do, think about how ridiculous it looks when you're telling somebody later. I just had to do. I had to force myself to do the wrong thing. Not a very good answer, is it? And so, as I mentioned in the beginning, our decisions change the course of history. And this decision changed the course of history. Verse 13, Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And so the course of history was changed by his decision. And once we start to justifying our disobedience, who are we serving? We're no longer serving God and if we're not serving God it's Satan and there's of course other things then with disobedience the in Saul's life the disobedience continued and there were still excuses and As we move on through his life, we can see it. But like I said, I'm gonna speed through his life then and go to Saul number two. And we pick him up in New Testament, Saul of Tarsus. We first hear about him in Acts chapter seven. And We're not going to read chapter 7, but sometime you can. That can be your homework, as they say. It's a very good sermon by Stephen. And the leaders of the Jews, at the end of the chapter, they rejected the truth and they stoned Stephen in verse 58, they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling him upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Saul was a young man here, apparently just just moving into the to the leadership of the Jewish right and in opposition to Saul in the Old Testament, this Saul was a proud man instead of saying that I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, the least of all the tribes. My family is not as low. And this Saul says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I am somebody. I'm a Hebrew. Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a proud man. And so in his pride, We pick up his story again in chapter 9 of Acts. Chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went up to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, in other words, any Christians, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And so there he is, the proud man, working against God, working against Christianity, a very zealous man, but not a humble man. Why do you want to go to Damascus? Well, Damascus was a hub. A pretty large trade center, crossroads of activity. And if we can get it stopped, if we can get Christianity stopped there, it won't spread so fast. I don't know. Uh, That's just probably what was going through his mind. I don't know. But that's what he wanted to do. And so that's where he was headed. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So here we have another time of waiting. He had to go and wait in the city he was blind they had to lead him by the hand take him in to Damascus he found out in this short passage here like Saul in the Old Testament found out that God is in control and that God does care about his people And so, this time, this Saul, Saul number two, had a response that was humble. He let go of his pride and said, Lord, who art thou and what will you have me to do? Two questions there. And he found out it was jesus and he found out he had to go and wait to find out what he was supposed to do and sometimes we have to wait wait on the lord there's nothing wrong with waiting on the lord and we should be willing to wait when he asks us to wait saw in the old testament was not willing to wait he thought he waited long enough our response should be, what would they have me to do? And Saul and his waiting, Saul number two here, chose to fast during his time of waiting. Saul in Old Testament just became more and more agitated. Maybe if he would have fasted and prayed, it would have calmed him down. I don't know. I don't know what it would have taken to calm me down when 50 or 60,000 people were coming against my 4,000, you know. It was really unbalanced. But we fight an unbalanced fight, you know. We can't do it. We have to have God. And so it's good for us... To wait on the Lord and fast and pray sometimes. He humbled himself. And he obeyed. And he spent three days there fasting and praying before an answer came. And we read later in one of his writings that he was then several years in Arabia. And... I don't know how that compared, I should have probably did some more figuring how that compared to Saul's waiting those, like I said, it was two years, I think, from when he was first ordained, or uh, anointed king, to where he was at Gilgal waiting, and Samuel wasn't getting there. But the Lord had things for Saul to learn during his period of waiting. And taught him quite a bit. And then, if we move on to chapter uh, chapter nine, verse seventeen, I don't know maybe we should get the story of Ananias. Back up to verse ten, and there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and he. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street that is called Straight, and inquire of the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And I seen a vision, and a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many And Ananias went his way, and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, And he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Quite a change, wasn't it? And the reason I went back to get Ananias is, here's a godly man. But he knew about persecution, and he was facing an enemy. When God told him to go and baptize this man, lay hands on him that he might receive his sight. He was—he was going to help the enemy. That would have been difficult in his sight. But since God told him, he didn't argue. He just, he made the statement. And God said, he's chosen. I've chosen him. You go. And Ananias went. And when he went, he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, what a change. I had to think of the, in uh, studying over that, the, the passage in Isaiah where it talks, I don't know if I can even turn to it right now, talks of the coming Messiah and the change that'll come and the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, <laughs> Ananias was the lamb, and Saul was the wolf. <coughs> but when the Spirit of God got a hold of him, when Jesus changed him, he brought him together. And Ananias could call him brother, brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus, that appeared to thee in the way has sent me that thou might receive thy sight. What a blessing to listen to what the Lord Jesus tells us to do. Oh, here I have the verse written down, Isaiah eleven six, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And also in Isaiah 65, 25. 25, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. How great the change is that God brings. And he enters into a person's life and the person chooses to obey. The contrasting choices and decisions and outcomes. God does the choosing of who his people are. But his choice is that we're all his people. And so we are the ones that determine then by the choices we make. In the Old Testament, he chose Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their followers. But there were others too. It wasn't just in Abraham's line. And we have several mentioned, Rahab and Ruth in particular and others that chose the Lord and he chose them in fact Rahab and Ruth then were in the lineage of Christ in the New Testament he chose the church which is a joining of the Jewish and Gentile believers and called them all children of Abraham you can read that in Galatians 3 and Ephesians 2 and some other Paul's writings. You can also read it in Hebrews. God chooses people. That's why he created people. Was to. For them. For us to serve him. And accomplish his purposes in this world. And bring glory to his name. By the decisions that we make. And those decisions. Will bring glory to God. And. If they're right choices and we choose to obey, then, then it brings us the, I guess I took my marker out, Deuteronomy, that verse that, uh, that Mark had there in devotions. I'll get back here to it. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always. That it might be well with them and their children forever. Right choices. That's what God wants. Choose His way. And it will bring glory to God. But guess what? If you make wrong choices and you suffer the sadness... And you end up in the pig pen, like the prodigal son, Luke 10, and all the wrong choices lead to the pig pen. You're still going to prove that God's way is best. God's still going to get glory, but it's going to be at your cost, not at your blessing. So choose what is right. And receive the blessing that goes with choosing what is right. And so then to wrap it all up, I did something that uh, nowadays you can do that you couldn't do years ago. You go and Google the tale of two saws, and (laughs) there's quite a few. things that come up and I didn't read them all but there was one little uh, 50 second thing that recording that I thought summed it up very well. Saw an Old Testament was out hunting and he was converted. He was hunt- hunting donkeys and he was converted and the spirit came on him And he ended up apostate. Saul in the New Testament was out hunting. He was hunting Christians. to put him in jail. The Lord came to him. He was converted. Holy Spirit filled him. And he became an apostle. And the guy's name that was attached to that was... And that's not word for word for what he said, but the apostate and apostle, that was what intrigued me. His name was Valad Savchuk or something like that, so give him credit for that. But that's what happened. And the choices that we make determine whether we become apostate or an apostle. Apostle is the one who goes out and preaches the word, right? brings others to Christ, so, so let's make the right choices.